0: I think I got a text from Mike about a title. That's my greatest fear, is to come up with titles of messages. But I got both hands on the wheel. How how many have heard that phrase? You know, you go for a summer drive, and you're on a straight road, clear skies. And I don't know about you, but I do a lot of kind of one-hand steering. And that works good until the storm comes. Till sharp curves come in the road. And if you're wise, you put both hands on the wheel. So we're going to talk about both hands on the wheel. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. I told the Sunday school class After hating Christ, that's number one on Satan's agenda, there's two things he's really gone to war against, bringing confusion, error, deception, and ultimately a lack of understanding, and that is the gift of tongues and the fear of the Lord. We talked a little bit about tongues in the Sunday School class and the importance that every believer should... Speak in tongues. Do I have to speak in tongues to prove I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit? That's looking at it in a wrong way. You are now allowed to speak in tongues. And why wouldn't you? For all the benefits it brings to our life. How many of you have ever played tackle football as a youth without equipment? Somebody say, bummer tackle football without equipment. Then I got into high school. Whoa, they got a helmet for this thing. Shoulder pads. Why wouldn't I want all the equipment that God has for me in this journey? The second thing the enemy's gone after is the fear of the Lord because he knows all the benefits it brings to our lives. Back in the 80s, I did a Complete Bible search. Took me a long time. You get the old concordance out, you know, you're not, you know, smartphone, good grief. My phone was on the wall. And and you just go through every verse regarding the fear of the Lord, and I was blown away. Wow. Wow. Why wouldn't people want this? So at the end of this service, we're going to pray a dangerous prayer. I invite you to join me in asking the Lord to baptize you with the fear of God. To immerse you in the fear of God. It's one of the hands on the wheel. Isaiah 11, this is a prophecy about Jesus. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. And a branch from its root, his roots will bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Now, that reminds me of Isaiah 61, very similar phrasing. Verse 2 is the one that really captured my heart in a fresh way. And he will delight. That's a really wonderful word. It's a word of joy. It's a word of passion. It's a word of focus. Uh, I thank you, Father, that the children delight in your presence. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. And it hit me recently like a, hammer. Why does Jesus delight in the fear of the Lord? Because he knows all the blessing, freedom, protection, balance, that the fear of God will bring into your life. So I want to whet your appetite. We're just going to look at a few scriptures. I actually left my notes behind. I got a pencil out and scribble a few things here, and we'll just go until the anointing lasts or my throat gets dry, but no, he, he delights. We want to be interested. Jesus delights. Is that up there? Oh, no, both hands on the wheel. Look at that. But we need a curve in the road. That's a one hand on the wheel. Not really. Thank you for whoever put that graphic together. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now go with me to Acts 9, a testimony of the first church. This is our pattern. This is something we look at along with Antioch. Antioch, in many ways, even a greater pattern for a local church. But this is wonderful. This is is awesome. And so Paul had just made his first visit. He was there for two weeks, stirred everything up, and they sent him off to Tarsus, His hometown, that's what you find in verse 30. Look at verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace. This was a church filled with peace. Victory, be a house. People come in anxious, people come in maybe struggling. People come in wrestling with fear, and as soon as they walk into the house, the atmosphere is peace. I've walked in homes where you can feel the peace of God. What a wonderful thing. Want to be a local church filled with peace. Fair enough? Number two, being built up. That word there, built up, is the same word in Corinthians 14, edified. Uh, To be built up is to be edified. In other words, this was a church. You went in and you got some encouragement. You come in, slugging it out all week, and you get built up. Uh, How many will testify that you've come here over the years and you left better than when you came? Please say amen. All right, Mike, there's a lot of hands. That's, that's a good testimony. That's the whole point. You want to go to a church fundamentally where you feel closer to God when you leave. You feel more encouraged when you leave. You feel built up. Wonderful. Number three, and going on. In other words, it's a church that's going somewhere. It has a vision. It understands its purpose. Right now you're going on, as it relates, I really believe this, and a threshold, crossing that threshold. Uh, The children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, but there came a time when they crossed a threshold, Jordan River, into the Promised Land. So they were going on. There's so many churches that are stagnant. They're locked into their culture, even. Be a flexible wineskin. Well, brother, we always did it that way. I know that could be a problem. How many of you tend to sit in the same seat every Sunday? Try next Sunday going either cross rows into a different section. I mean, your body will probably go into a semi-convulsion until you settle in. <laughs> we all have a tendency to settle down and get comfortable and just kind of ride it out. Church is... T- Boy, that lights just came on. Is that... That's kind of scary. <laughs> Do I look better or worse? Better. You know, we walk. It kind of ties in with the fear of God, actually. We we think we're doing pretty good, and then we get really filled with the fear of God, and all of a sudden you begin to see things as they are, not as we think them. Uh, going on in the fear of God. Of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's how they had those three things. They had the fear of God and they had the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They're not at odds. That's what the devil would like us to think. And there are so many places where it's so overbalanced on comfort, no emphasis on the fear of God. And you will eventually, either as an individual or even a local church, go off into a ditch and can't negotiate because you have to have both hands on the wheel. Now, let's talk about comfort. Who doesn't like comfort? Is the roast in the oven, by the way? (laughs) Praise God. I'm going to go. Thank you very much. I will be at the Nelson's after church having what I call comfort food. Roast beef, mashed potatoes, salad, corn, usually fresh bread, I hope. It's all comfort food. Comfort food. Hey, there's a lot of comfort food in the heart of God. He loves to be merciful, He is kind, He is love, He's forgiving, He's long suffering. He's a heavenly father in Luke 15, just waiting. And then once he comes, he just explodes into a lavish party. Comfort. I love when God comforts me. I remember one time I preached a sermon at New Testament Church when I was pastoring the church. It was a bad sermon. Uh, I didn't even ask my wife. I mean, she got the look and. Eventually, she said, honey, that, that was not good. <laughs> My children said, Dad, that was a interesting. I can't, kind of bad sermon. better than that. I think when I got home, the dog bit me. <laughs> so then, trust me, the body of Christ is faithful to communicate back to the pastor about Sunday's Message, and pretty much the summary was, and then I finally came to the conclusion, and that was a bad message. <laughs> so Friday night, I'm home all alone. My wife and kids are out. I had one of those wall hugger chairs. I put on some worship music, slipped into that chair, Quietly begin to shed a few tears. Papa, father, you know what happened? He came. The presence of God began to fill a room. Now you weep even more. And then the gentle whisper of a word. How you perform is not the foundation of our relationship. I love you for who you are, not for what you do. And I just had an encounter with the comfort, with the comfort of God. Really awesome. Be a church that knows how to minister comfort. I'm trusting that's a little bit what's going on here when people come forward for prayer during worship. But now let's talk about the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? God is love. Fair enough? In actually equal terms, God is fear. That's why we call it the fear of the Lord. It's an attribute. It's directly related totally to His holiness. When you get to heaven... The cry is holy, holy, holy is the Lord. John saw the exalted Jesus Christ and he fell as a dead man. And the Lord comes with a word God is fire. The fear of the Lord is directly related to the zeal of the Lord. When Jesus goes into the temple in John chapter 2, he is absolutely saturated with the fear of God. And out of that fear of the Lord and that zeal and that fire and that passion, he will cleanse that temple. Because actually, he loves the temple. You're not doing what you should be doing. You're called to be a house of prayer, and you're a house of merchandise. I'm not going to stop there and go off into Americana, Christianity, good grief. The fear of the Lord. Revelation 4, His holiness is the taproot virtue of God. So, mercy, grace, love, fear, it all flows out of His holiness, out of His holiness. No man can see God. What's it talking about there? That's the Father. Jesus Christ is the invisible to the invisible. He is the begotten, meaning He emerged out of the heart of the Father, He wasn't created. And that's his job description, if you will, in the Trinity, where he says, I'm the Word, and I manifest, and I make known who my Father is. That's one of my passions. And the Son, uh, the Father, he's always promoting the Son, the Holy Spirit. You, you haven't seen the Holy Spirit you felt him. He loves to release presents, gifts, develop fruit, passion, worship. He would like to lead your meetings. It's all about Jesus being the visible to the invisible. So these people that are popping up on a every other day basis and. Popping into Father's lap and telling you the color of Father's eyes, that's a false prophet. 1 Timothy 3 is absolutely clear. No man has seen God. And the Father is totally comfortable with it. So they went on in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the fear of the Lord. Now this this is... Really important. Make sure you write this down. God's fear of the Lord is a gift. And the gift is he wants to install in your life a divine alarm system. That's a foundational function of it. If you build a million-dollar home on a beautiful piece of property, you fill it with the finest of furniture, and appliances. We are a fool if we don't have on the perimeters an alarm system. Furthermore, the house is set up with lights that, if anything, anyone invades my space, invades my property. The alarm system goes off, and it's loud, and it's irritating, and, and the bright lights begin to shine. God's divine alarm system. Scripture is very clear. You cost God a lot for you to become a house of God. Paul uses this term. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. It cost the blood of his son to purchase you for you to be a temple. So you're very valuable to God, very precious to God. He wants his investment protected so that you and I can present when all this finishes up something that is worthy of him, a life completed, a journey completed, completed a ministry completed a character transformation hopefully you look more like Jesus today than the day you got born again fair enough it's all about replacement galatians 2:20 the fear of god motivates us into that divine replacement along with the comfort i get it i get it but trust me most churches probably Chuck Porter included, we all tend to gravitate towards comfort. But if that's all you feed on, ultimately you will get into false doctrine like universalism. And everybody gets saved eventually, including the devil. And God is love, and he would never send anybody to hell for eternity. And you would be shocked how that false universalism is getting a foothold in the evangelical church in America that along with annihilationism nobody's going to be sent to hell forever and be consciously awakened to the reality of hell's fire god wouldn't do that and so they they are refashioning and reshaping god into their liking into their desire, and they're totally into comfort. They're totally into love, love, love. And Rob Bell writes a book called Love Wins, and he's off the deep end into false teaching. Now, hey, I'm not mad, but I do get passionate about this stuff. I Don't you want to finish well? I want to finish well. I want to complete this journey. And going on and going on in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the banks to the river of comfort. The fear of the Lord is the banks to your river. Out of your innermost being flow rivers of living water. And with proper banks, the river keeps moving. The river tends to be pure. You can even drink from that thing. And it brings healing, it says, out of Revelation 22, wherever the river goes. Write this scripture down, Psalm 46. There's a river in the city of God, that's you, that makes the city glad. That's joy. And that river, it's rivers, streams that make up the river. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they each have a stream. And they come together into this one precious, awesome river that make glad the city of God. But the river needs banks. Otherwise, it goes a mile wide and an inch deep, filled with mud and debris and loss of effectiveness. And so we want to have both. So much of the kingdom is not either or. It's both. God loves the true balance. Hate's a false balance. But he wants a true balance in our lives. Don't be afraid of the fear of the Lord. Well, the fear of the Lord just means to have respect for God. Boy, that is so weak. The fear of the Lord. (laughs) Psalm 86, I think. My flesh trembles in the fear of God. If you have that divine alarm system fully engaged, fully operating, wouldn't it be wonderful? As soon as your flesh wants to kind of come alive, and step into an area maybe of old sin patterns, wouldn't it be good for it to begin to tremble? As if to say, I wouldn't go there if I were you. Not wise. Say it right now with me, agree with me. You, you owe your flesh nothing. The only thing your flesh did was get you in trouble. It sins. doesn't like God. It winds, filled with self-pity. On and on and on, the list goes. Flash, 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 flash. And there's two manifestations of flesh. One is the obvious, carnal, drugs, sex, abuse, anger, fighting. The other one is more subtle and in many ways more dangerous, and that would be legalism. That's an expression of flesh that religious, I-can-do-it legalistic way of life. I'll build my own tower of Babel and reach heaven. Thank you very much. On my own. Little do they know they're actually building something that ends up in hell. God's divine alarm system. I just love it. Joseph had the fear of God. And here, his brothers were going to kill him. Then they sell him. And he finds himself in Egypt. But the gift that he has always rises to the surface. Wherever he goes, he ends up in leadership. Because that's his gifting. So he's in charge of Potiphar's house. This was a wealthy guy. This this guy had a lot going on. And and he trusts Joseph with everything. So he goes on a trip and he's gone. Now Potiphar's wife, herself being quite beautiful, and Joseph being quite handsome, you can see what's about to play out. It's a disaster waiting to happen. And the scripture is very clear. Day after day after day. Come, lie with me. Come, my husband's not at home. Nobody will know. I won't tell. Come, Joseph. And the fear of God alarm system's going off. And he's able to resist. At one point in her desperation, she grabs him. And he leaves his coat in her hands. Flees. That's what the fear of God does when the alarm system goes off. You want to flee from Sin. It's powerful. I uh, was pondering that one day, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clear. I want you to know something. Many leaders have never gotten out of Potiphar's house when I wanted to take them to the palace. Potiphar's house, that's just kind of a training area. Joseph was destined, and he fulfilled his destiny, to lead in the palace. You know the story. But along the way, the enemy's got these snares. The enemy's got these traps. The enemy wants to trip up and mess up, and we see now painfully over the last couple years the exposing of many leaders, including the main leader of Hillsong, out, We tend to worship these places, and yet, with a lack of the fear of God, sin doesn't get dealt with the way it should. And we go on our way. I remember studying Moses and doing a message on Moses. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta agree with me. This is pretty powerful stuff. Burning bush, hello. Encounter with God. hears the voice of God. takes his shoes off because it's holy ground. Gets commissioned by God to go. Raise up and save a nation. This is getting pretty heavy here. And and uh, he's got miracle power beginning to work. He's got Aaron to speak for him. He even figured, he gets revelation of the name of God. Abraham didn't get that. Moses was the first one. I am who I am. Can you agree with me? Moses is on our roll. Chapter 4, en route to Egypt. En route to fulfilling his destiny, the scripture says, God tried to kill him. Boy, I'll tell you what. I pondered that one time. I says, Lord, I don't get this. I mean, this guy's 80 years old. He's, he's, he's called, obviously. This is his vision. This is his purpose in life. It's all set to go. Why are you trying to take him out? Because his internal house... Was out of order. And you get a hint where the wife takes the foreskin and throws it at his feet. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, Don't ever equate my blessings in your life with my full approval of your life. I need the fear of God. I need the alarm system to go off. There was something there God was dealing with, Moses, and Moses just let it go, let it go, Listen to his wife, and all of a sudden, tension is now in the house. Good grief, the Lord tries to take him out. I love scriptures like that. They make you wrestle. They make you figure out, what in the world is God up to? You can't pattern God exactly. He is sovereign. He is Lord. Revelation is for us, but there are mysteries, there are mysteries that God keeps in his own heart, and, and it's the mysteries that we wrestle with and struggle with. Yesterday, my nephew's oldest son got married, precious young man, kind, wonderful young man, wonderful bride that God provided for him. Brian D. is the father. Anna was one of my brother's nine children. She was a twin to Michael. And last November, she died by suicide. She was a prophetic poet, wrote over 200 poems. The the visitation that night, it set records for All the people, and Tom and Cindy were blown away. They had no idea. Which only makes the mystery of her death more shaking. Obviously, Tom said, my daughter didn't have a right. Her organ failed her. Not her heart, her head, her brain. Mysteries. I look back on my journey of almost, well, it's over 50 years now. Boy, I thought I had God figured out, and then, wow, where'd that come from? John the Baptist, would you agree with me? Significant calling? He's the only one who's the bridegroom's friend, solo. A supernatural birth, raised up in the wilderness. Supernatural ministry. All Jerusalem comes to hear John with a tough message of repentance. He's on a roll. He's preparing the way for the Son of God, his cousin, tells his followers, go follow him now. His ministry lasted six months, but it was spectacular. And then he blew the whistle on Herod, and that adulterous marriage, and she hated him with a passion, as Jezebel always hates the prophet. So and now he finds himself in prison, cold, damp, lousy food, kind of lonely, And some of his followers come back with reports about who John said was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was his revelation of God. John, he said, Herod is a fox. John said, yes, come on, bring it. Uh, John, a couple days ago, he went into the temple. He had a whip in his hands, fire in his eyes, turned over the table. Yes, that's my God. Come on, bring it. John, a tax collector came. He went to a tax collector's bench, looked him right in the eyes and said, follow me. The tax collector was stunned. He left his table. Evidently left his job. And that night threw a party. Pimps, harlots, drug addicts, alcoholics were all there. And he seemed to be really having a good time. Filled with joy. What? The other day he had lunch with a Pharisee. Good, go after that Pharisee. But a a woman came in disheveled crying, broken, sobbed, kissed his feet, wet them with her tears, wiped them with her hair. What? So John hears reports about the lamb in action. He tells his followers, go back, ask them this question. Are you the one? Or shall we look for another? To me, that's stunning. How, how can you end up in that place, John, in that lonely jail? Took a stand for holiness one more time, and you're in jail. Rumors have it she's really after you, and there's a party coming. And John's struggling with the God he revealed, because the God he revealed wasn't acting like he wanted him and that's our struggle of faith that's God moving and walking in mystery I don't know why that's what I said at Anna's funeral I have no answers to why here's what I know Jesus Christ is Lord she's in heaven with him and we preach the gospel period Are you the one? Brothers and sisters, there are so many Christians I've observed over the years when God does not act the way they think God should act. They have bailed. They're no longer walking with God. We need the fear of God and the comfort of God in balance so that we live by faith In the world of mysteries and in the world of revelation. Jesus said, go tell John what you hear. Go tell John what you see. And then he says, tell John, blessed are you if you're not offended with me. Don't get offended with God. It's a dead end. Don't put God on a trial, as so many do. It's a dead end. My God is faithful. We sang it today. Come on. My God is victorious. My God's on the throne. My God is sovereign. That's my bedrock. So my brother gets up two weeks after his daughter went to heaven and declares Romans 8 28 is my text and I'm a happy man today in the joy and grace of my father having still gone through the most painful thing any father could ever go through grace wins come on boy am What's the clock saying up there, praise God. I'm not. My wife says, Don't talk about clocks. Proverbs 14 26. The fear of the Lord will protect you from all the snares of the evil, it'll spring the trap. David had the fear of God in him when he, when he, when he killed Goliath, he had the fear of God, he had the word of God. Now he's king. Bible says the war is going on. He should be out to war, but he stayed home. And that night, he turned the alarm system off. You know, like you take your phone, you put it on silent. Where is my phone, by the way? Got to be around here somewhere. Mike, you found it. Oh, Ethan's got it. Short-term memory. (laughs) It's not my fault. Where was I? Say again? David, what are you doing? The alarm system's off. (laughs) The alarm system is off in David's. And there she is. There's the snare. There's the trap. You know what happened. He went from adultery to lying to murder. Just a descent. Nathan the prophet said, David, I have a story for you. Guy had all kinds of sheep, but They only took the one sheep of the one guy for the meal. David rose up in fury. You're the man. That alarm system, 24 hours or less. Do you understand? Issues and problems and friction never left David's house till the day he died. Oh, he's forgiven. He remains king. But it's, it's a sad story, if we're honest. So, let's agree with me. Lord, I want my alarm system up and running. And as soon as my property is invaded by a demon, or invaded by whatever, and the bright spotlights come on, Psalm 139, quickly, we are fearfully made. You were actually created by God to carry fear, but only one fear, the fear of God. Not the fear of the enemy, not the fear of man, only one. Psalm Psalm 25, verse 14, the secrets of the Lord are for those who fear him. You will receive inside information. Psalm 86, 11, Unite my heart, O Lord, to fear thy name. Psalm 112, Psalm 128, you can read them later. Your descendants, your marriage, your wife will all be blessed because of the fear of God and the man who fears God. Psalm 34, verse 9 says, The man who fears God has no want. The fear of God is like a doorway that leads into blessing, but it's a doorway designed to only go one way, and it will catch if you want to try to go back into something you shouldn't go into. The fear of God is going on. Both hands on the wheel, and the church went on in the fear of God and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. This is a good situation here. You are a good witness and a representative to the city and to the area. Are you a perfect church? Good grief? No. But you're here, and you're loving Jesus. You're trying to follow him, and you're trying to walk, I believe, in holiness and righteousness and in mercy and in comfort And in life and love and faith and hope, don't mess it up.